What's up, Everlast? We doing good tonight? We got a few woos in there. There we go. Well, my name is Tina. I am the young adult coordinator here, and I'm also married to Kevin, who is our young adult pastor, and yep, agreed. And tonight, <laughs> we are continuing in uh, our series, Abide. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15, as we are going to be finishing this passage of Scripture. And so just really quick, if you have not been here the last few weeks, we have gone through John 15 so far, verses 1 through 8. And tonight, we are finishing up with verses 9 through 11. And let me just seriously encourage you, if you have missed any messages uh, thus far, go back and listen to those on our podcast. Uh, It's just been a really fruitful series, and I know for me, so good for my heart, and our prayer is that it has been the same for you as well. And so tonight, as we are concluding this series, uh, I want to give you just some brief context, as Kevin mentioned last week, so you are tracking with us for tonight's verses. Uh, And so in this specific text, remember, uh, just a reminder, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he is sharing with them this teaching that is only but less than 24 hours before Jesus is arrested and then later crucified. And so again, these are crucial and important words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and is sharing with us as we read this text And so just keep that in mind as we are continuing on in this passage. So John 15 verses 9 through 11 is where we're going to be spending our time tonight. But let's go ahead and we are going to read verses 1 through 11. John 15, 1 through 11. Here we go. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like branches and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verses for tonight. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray one more time together. Well, Father, we come before you now. And Lord, um, God, we just ask that you would move mightily in and through this place tonight. Um, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that hearts would be transformed in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth. I pray that your word would pierce 
the hearts of every single person in this room tonight. Lord, we are expectant. We are excited to hear from you. And so, Lord, we love you, and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, some of you know this, but I have a niece who is six years old, and we just have a really sweet, special bond. And ever since she was little, like two or three years old, we have this special thing that we do that is just between me and her. No one else has it. It's just between uh, something that Aunt Chrissy and Emmy do. And so that thing is when she was really little, I would call her over and I'd say, hey, Emmy, I have a secret to tell you. And kids love secrets, right? So she would come over excited and I'd get real close to her and I'd whisper in her ear, I love you. And she would grin, hug me, and then run off. Well, you fast forward a few years later and now she knows the secret, right? She has heard it time and time again. So anytime I say, Emmy, come here, I have a secret. She'll now go, I know what you're going to say. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a good one. Come here. And she's like, oh, right. Kind of annoyed, but I know she actually really likes it. And so she comes over and I get real close and I say, Emmy, I love you. And now she goes, I know, I know, I know. And then walks off and goes back to playing or doing whatever she was doing beforehand. You see, Emmy knows that I love her and she loves me. But the thing is, she's used to hearing those words. So her response now is, I know, I know, I know. Now here's the reason I would open tonight's message with this story. It's because many of us have heard the words, Jesus loves you. It's something we often hear. In fact, most of you in the room just saying those words. How he loves us. Oh, how he loves us so. Uh, Many of us have read the words, God loves you. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or what about John 13.34? Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, A new commandment I give you that you love one another Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Or the verse we're diving into tonight, John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We have heard and read about Jesus' love towards us. Yet the question I want to propose tonight is, when you read those verses... But when you hear the words, Jesus loves you, God loves you, what is your initial response? Well, what does that do for you? Because I believe there are many of us in the room tonight who have the mindset, the heart, and the spirit. When we hear those words, God loves you, your response is one of, I know, I know, I know. You see, the words God loves you aren't hitting like they're supposed to. Uh, Maybe for you, you walked in with a spirit of apathy because you really have just heard those words over and over and over again that that you've become numb to it. Yeah, 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 I I know. Or maybe for you, it's not, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. It's, I don't know. 
whether that is because you have never believed Jesus loves you or life circumstances has caused you to grow callous, frustrated. It has caused you to have doubt that he really does love you because the thought of your circumstance makes it really hard to believe that Jesus loves you. When he has allowed all the things that you have walked through or are currently walking through to happen. Uh, Maybe for you, it's that sin struggle that keeps rearing its ugly head. And it is hard for you to believe that God would continue to love you after you have continued to fail time and time again. Everlast, when was the last time you heard the words, Jesus loves you and it wrecked you? When was the last time you heard or read the words, Jesus loves you, and it brings a joy that is full and complete and overwhelming? When was the last time you heard or read the words, Jesus loves you, and it brings you to tears? When was the last time you heard the words, Jesus loves you, and it makes you want to shout, worship, and praise him because you were so overwhelmed with just hearing the words from the Father, I love you. And if your answer to that is, I don't know, or you are having a hard time remembering or recalling a time like that, then tonight my prayer for you and my hope for you is that you would leave here not just knowing that God loves you with the same response of, I know, I know, I know, but that you would leave here tonight through the word of God and by the Holy Spirit with a renewed, refreshed, vibrant realization and with an awakening in your heart when you hear the words, Jesus loves you, that it would drastically change your response. And so going back to John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. First point, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus loves his disciples. In John 15, 9, Jesus starts off by telling his disciples that he loves them. He is having a DTR with his disciples. Y'all know what that is? Defining the relationship, right? It is that moment in a relationship where someone is defining what it is. Uh, When Kevin pursued me in our relationship, we had uh, many moments periodically where we would communicate with each other where the other person was at. Jesus is having a DTR with his disciples. And, And this is a moment where Jesus is informing his friends that he loves them and thus is expressing his love for us. Remember, this passage of scripture, Jesus is talking with his followers, those who know him and have a relationship with him. We know that based off of verse 3, which says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We talked about this in the second week of this series. He is talking about his disciples being saved because they believed in the word. And the word is referring to the whole gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So if you, too, are a believer, a follower of Christ, you're a disciple. And that word disciple means someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It is a follower, a learner. For those who have surrendered their lives to Christ, they are followers and disciples of Jesus. And so Jesus is thus speaking to us when he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now, Everlast, this is a profound statement because Jesus isn't just saying, I love you. He is expounding on how much he loves you. He he is giving us an insight on the depth of the love which he has for us. And he does that by comparing the love that he has experienced from God the Father to the love that he has for you. Jesus is giving us a great analogy here to help us understand and grasp just how much he loves his disciples. He's basically saying, you want to know how much I love you? How the Father loves me is is with the same love that I have for you. Now that's crazy, right? That can even be hard for us to process at times. How is that possible? You you love me with the same love the Father has for you? You, You're without sin. You're perfect. right? That, That makes sense for the Father to love you, but for you to love me, a sinner, with the same kind of love the Father has for you, Jesus, that, that, that just doesn't make sense. But you see, when we are connected to him, when we abide in him for those who are followers of Christ, we gain access to the same love between the eternal triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That the love that they share with each other, listen, is the same love we get to experience that is now expressed to us through Jesus because of Jesus. That is how much Jesus loves us. And it is so important that you grasp this. The same love that is shared between the Father and the Son is the same love Jesus has for you. You could put it this way. Jesus's love for you equals the Father's love for Jesus. You see, Jesus' love imitates and mirrors the Father's love, and it is displayed towards us. And that is amazing. We should be amped up by this. We are talking about the same kind of love that is described in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus is being baptized and it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. It's the same love the Father has for the Son towards us. This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Everlast, Jesus is saying, you son, you daughter, whom I love, with you, I am well pleased. That is incredible. We get to experience the same love that can only be experienced within the triune Godhead, and it is available to us. Jesus is giving us a maximum understanding of his love, and yet the reality is most of us have a minimal understanding of Jesus' love. Some of us think God's love is circumstantial. You walked into the room tonight with the mindset, although you may not say it, But your actions reflect someone who believes that if they work hard and they do better, then God will love me more. And when you are doing that, you are minimizing and reducing reducing God's uh, love for you to a matter of approval. When you do that, you are saying God's love equals approval. And that is a complete misunderstanding of his love for you. Some of you in the room think, because God loves me, I can do whatever I want. 
And in doing that, you minimize and reduce God's love to just forgiveness. When we don't have the correct understanding of Christ's love for us, we reduce his love to a minimal and misunderstanding kind of love. Which is some of the reason as to why we would be calloused. Well, why we would be apathetic or have unbelief because we aren't truly understanding how vast his love for us truly is. So how do we have a maximum understanding for Jesus's love for us? Well, first, we have to know what his word says about his love for us. Uh, We know that his love for us is like the father's love for him. But what else does the word say about his love? Second points for tonight, if you are taking notes. Jesus's love is. Now, the reason there is a dot, dot, dot after Jesus's love is, uh, for, is for this point. It's because there isn't just one word that describes all that encompasses Jesus's love towards us, right? If I were to go around the room and have you write on a piece of paper or type in on your phone, Jesus love is fill in the blank, you would get a lot of different answers in the room. And so I just want us to spend some time on this next point of the message tonight by having us as a everlast ministry read through what the scripture says about Jesus's love for us. And these are scriptures that are going to give you aspects of Jesus's love. And so here's what I want you to do. As I read through the different scriptures that that talks about God's love, I want you to simply listen and reflect. I just want you to soak in and listen to what the word of God has to say about Jesus' love towards you. These uh, will be on the screen for you to read as well. So here we go. Jesus' love is eternal. Jesus' love is eternal. John 17, 24. Jesus is talking with his father and says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus' love is eternal. Since Jesus loves us with the same love that the Father loves him, this verse means that God, God's love for you predates you. Meaning before you were a thought to your parents, God saw you and loved you and chose you. His love for you predates you. That's why the scriptures say we love because he first loved us. The only reason I love Jesus is because he first loved me. Jesus' love is eternal. Jesus' love is certain, Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. If you came in tonight questioning, does God love me? Scripture says nothing will be able to separate us from his love. And that means everlasting that even on your worst days, God's love is certain. That when life happens and unforeseen, hard, challenging circumstances take place and you may feel very separated and far from God, God wants you to know that nothing will separate you from his love. 
which means that we as people can experience deep, unshakable confidence that we are secure in his love. Jesus' love is certain. Jesus' love is life-changing. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Because Jesus gave himself up for you, if you are a believer in the room, it is no longer your old ways. The the old habits that you run to, Christ now lives in you. And when that happens, it's transformative. It is life-changing. Everlast, does your life reflect someone who has experienced the love of Christ? Jesus' love is life-changing. Jesus' love is sacrificial, Ephesians 5.2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Isn't that crazy to think that someone would love you that much to die for you? Think about that. that. That he would sacrifice his life for you knowing that while you were still a sinner, you were an enemy of God, and yet he would show and display his love for you by means of death on a cross. Well, one of the worst ways to die, and not just that, but we know that he took on the wrath of God. The wrath that was poured out on him, he took in place for you. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. He sacrificed his life for the sin that you committed last week for the sin that you committed last night, and for the ones you will commit tomorrow. Because he loves you. Jesus' love is sacrificial. Jesus' love is limitless. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Which means his love cannot be measured. You can't get a measuring cup and look and see how much his love measures up. It's limitless. Which means it is impossible to outsend the love of Christ. His love for you is limitless. Jesus' love is perfect. First John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. God's love for us is perfect. In fact, that word perfect in the Greek is teleos, which means finished, wanting nothing necessary to completeness, meaning there is nothing else you can do to perfect it. It is completely finished and perfect, no error. It is flawless, without sin, without mistakes, without judgment, without rejection, without fear, without punishment, but instead a perfect, flawless, without blemish kind of love. His love is perfect, And I think this is a big one for some of us in the room tonight, because when you think of the Father's love, some of you compare that to your earthly father or lack thereof. And therefore, you get a wrong and false depiction of what our Heavenly Father's love is like. God's love is perfect. You don't have to worry about Him rejecting you. You don't have to worry about Him sinning against you, or not wanting you, or not judging you. Jesus' love is perfect perfect. Jesus' love feels, John eleven thirty five 35 through 36. 
Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus wept. If you are going through a season of suffering, listen, Jesus isn't someone who doesn't understand or can't sympathize with you. Jesus, in his love, feels your pain, knows your pain, and sees your pain. Jesus' love feels. Jesus' love is permanently present, Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus' love is permanently present because he has put the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can know his love through his presence daily. Jesus' love is disciplined. Uh, Jesus' love is disciplined, Hebrews 12, 6. For the, love, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Jesus disciplines us because the word says it is his, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Jesus loves you too much to let, to, to let you keep on in your old ways and falling back into sin. He disciplines those he loves. And lastly, Jesus' love is available, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Salvation is available to anyone and everyone who will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It is not predicated on what you have done or how good you are. It is a free gift so that no one may boast. God loved the world and that through his son, Jesus Christ, you can have a loving relationship with him now. Jesus' love is available. Now, after reading all of those verses on Jesus' love for you, Everlast, how did you do? What I mean by that is having what we like to call a heart check, gauging where you were at. When I read the list of Jesus' love, how did you do? Were you bored? Was there any part of you just waiting for me to get to the next point, like, okay, I get it. Was there any part of you that was like, man, how, how long is this going to last? Did you zone out? Did your mind go completely somewhere else as we were talking about the love of God? Were you apathetic, unmoved by the list of Jesus' love for you? It really didn't do anything for you? Did your thoughts or actions reflect one of, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know? Everlast, let me just encourage you, if that's still you, to run to the one who loves you and beg him to do a new work in you. Because listen, it totally makes sense that the father would love the son, but it makes no sense that the son would love us. We are undeserving sinners, and yet we have a savior and a king who does love us as the father loves him. We have Jesus, who as the father loved him, who was most worthy he loved us who were most unworthy. Jesus' love is something that should move us to our knees. Jesus' love is something that should cause a reaction in us that is an appropriate response for his loving kindness to an undeserving sinner like you and me. If you are unmoved, pray to the one who moves. And everlast, I'll just be candid with you. Last week as I was preparing for this message, the Lord revealed in, in my own heart this apathy towards hearing the words, I love you. 
Uh, for me, this season has just been a really hard season of physical suffering and at times mental suffering. And without me even realizing it, over time, I have slowly sunken my teeth into apathy and disbelief of God's love for me. And I didn't even realize it until I started studying for this message. And I was up in my office. Staff is happening. People are walking by my doors. And I am in tears as the Lord is revealing to me what lies I had believed. And it was a sweet moment of the Lord reminding me that he really does love me and how much he loves me. Everlast, we should be moved by Jesus' love. And a great question to ask that I think helps us see our heart posture and belief towards God's love for us is a question that is used by a church in Austin, Texas. And so this church in Austin, Texas, when it comes to their hiring process to, to hire someone on staff, a, a potential candidate, they ask many questions, but there is one question that is like the make it or break it question for that potential staff member. If you answer this wrong, you're not going to be hired on. And that question is, hey, when was the last time the gospel made you weep? That's the question they ask. When was the last time the gospel made you weep. And Everlast, this is a good question for us as we talk through tonight. When was the last time the good news of Jesus, because of the deep love that Jesus has for you, that he would sacrifice his own life for you, when was the last time his love for you made you weep? Now, you may be sitting there like, Tina, I hear you, but I'm not the crying type. I don't really cry, right? That's not something that I do. Listen, what I am saying is, is that Jesus' love for you should cause a mighty movement and reaction in the heart of those who know his love and experience his love on a daily basis. And if you are unmoved by the words, Jesus loves you, if you were unmoved by the whole list that we just read, you weren't overwhelmed with his love, you were underwhelmed. There is much needed business that you need to do with Jesus. Because here's the thing. In order for us to remain in Jesus's love, we have to know his love. The reason why Jesus tells us, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, it is so that you would know how much he loves you and abide in that love. Continuing in verse 9, read with me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is telling us some essential information and then follows up with a command. Hey, here is how much I love you, so abide in my love. We have talked about this word abide throughout this entire series. That word abide means to remain in, continue in, dwell in, live in. Jesus is commanding us to remain in his love, continue in his love, dwell in his love, live in his love. That everlasting, if you want the fullest life, it is staying in the love of Christ. It is being saturated in the love of Christ. So how do we do that? If you're taking notes, point three, Jesus' love moves us to obedience. Verse 10 if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
Now, often we can make obedience about earning God's love instead of enjoying God's love. I'm going to say that again. Often we can make obedience about earning God's love instead of enjoying God's love. What Jesus is telling us is that you determine whether you enjoy his love. To obey his commands is to enjoy his love. Why? Because Jesus' commands are a demonstration of his love for us. Let me just give you an example. A couple years ago, my niece, the one I talked about earlier, we went fishing out on the lake. And at that time, she's like four, I think. And she wants to be able to cast the line. She, she wants to be able to throw the line out in the water. Well, the pole at the end of the line has a hook on it. And so my rule is, uh, was uh, you can hold the fishing pole. You can even catch your own fish. But you can't throw the line into the water. Now, why wouldn't I let her throw the line? Because I didn't want her sling the hook around and her accidentally hooking herself, or for that matter, me, right? And listen, <clears throat> She was not happy with me that, that I wouldn't let her throw the line. But it wasn't because I was being mean or was trying to take the joy out of fishing. It was, my, it was being my rules were out of a love for her. As she obeyed my rules, she was experiencing my love for her. And it's the same with Jesus. As we abide in his love and we obey his commands, we are experiencing his love for us. His commands are a demonstration for his love for us. As we abide in his love, we then obey his commands. Jesus isn't telling us no or yes or gives us these list of commandments or commands because he wants us to be, he doesn't, because he doesn't want us to be full of joy. He is giving us these commands so that in experiencing his love, we then get to enjoy him. When we dwell in his love, when we are saturated in his love, we want to stay there. It's there where we get the complete joy and fullness he offers to us. Which leads us to our last point for tonight. Jesus' love is meant to be enjoyed. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Some of you think that it's either joy or Jesus. I got to choose one or the other not Jesus and joy, right? That if I follow Jesus and that if I'm supposed to take up my cross daily, as scripture says, and die to self, that, that doesn't seem like a life full of joy. Uh, that can seem at times not very joyful. But Jesus is saying the very opposite. He's saying, I'm telling you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, let me be clear here. I'm not talking about circumstantial happiness. Right? I'm talking about joy in Jesus because there is a big difference in being full of joy in the Lord and being full of happiness based off your circumstances. And listen, life is going to hit. Trials are going to happen. God's word says that. Expect it to happen. It goes as far as to say to count it all joy when it happens, James 1, 2 through 4. Or rejoice in our sufferings, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Suffering is unavoidable, but worshiping Jesus isn't. Suffering isn't a choice, but joy is. And so Jesus isn't saying having fullness of joy means no more suffering, no more hardships, no more bad days. 
That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, as you abide in my love, that those hard days, suffering, and trials, your fullness of joy in those moments will be found in me. And I think a great question everlast just to ask yourself is, am I full of joy? Did, did I walk in here tonight just, just full of joy in the Lord? Or am I lacking joy in my life? Jesus is telling us tonight through his word, listen, if you want your joy to be full, meaning it's maxed out, it, it, it has hit its maximum, its maximum limit, limit, if you want full maximum joy, we are to abide in his love. And thus, we should be filling our lives with things that stir our affections and our love for Jesus. If you want to enjoy God's love, fill your days with things that would grow your love for Jesus and eliminate things that are keeping you from growing in your love with Jesus. If you are apathetic towards the love of Jesus, it may be because you are doing things or not doing things that would hinder you from experiencing the full joy of Christ's love. Everlasting, Jesus' love is meant to be enjoyed. It's really simple. Abide in his love, experience fullness of joy. And again, that doesn't mean you won't have days where you're struggling. That doesn't mean you won't have days where you're sad. That doesn't mean uh, you won't have days where you're down or weary. It does mean, though, that as we abide in him, we still have joy. Because the verse says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The reason we have joy isn't uh, the reason we have joy isn't, isn't because it's a joy that comes from the world or our circumstance. It literally says his joy that resides in you, which is why your joy would be full. It is literally Christ, God's joy, that my joy may be in you. And when you are full with his joy in you, your response to the words, everlast, listen to this. When, when you are full with his joy in you, your response to the words, God loves you, isn't going to be, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Your reaction to hearing, knowing, believing, and experiencing in the love of Jesus for you is going to be one of pure joy. And Everlast, our prayer for you tonight, if you didn't hear anything I said, hear this, that you would know the love of Jesus, that the same love that the Father has for the Son. And our prayer is that it would do something in you, that, that it would move you, and that we would be a ministry who hears Jesus loves you, and it moves us. We're not apathetic towards it or have the mindset of, yeah, 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 I, I, I know. That we would be a ministry who knows the love of Christ, who abides in the love of Christ, and that how we respond and live would affirm and show that. So I'll say it one more time, and I will leave you with these final words. Everlast, Jesus loves you. <laughs>